Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and we are so excited today because we have a very special guest returning. And before I introduce him, I just want to read a quote that really has impacted me and touched my life. And when I read it, and it makes me think of him, the quote is by Buckminster Fuller, and he said, Never forget that you are one of a kind. Never forget that if there weren't any need for you in all your uniqueness to be on this earth, you wouldn't be here in the first place. And never forget, no matter how overwhelming life's challenges and problems seem to be, that one person can make a difference in the world. In fact, it's always because of one person that all the changes that matter in the world come about. So be that one person. So one of those people that makes a difference in the world is my co-host, Michael J. Russ, and I'd like to welcome you, Michael. And thank you, thank I'd you. also like to welcome back Eric Alexandrakis. And I tried to prom- I promise you, Eric, I tried to practice your name in with a Greek accent, and I I failed miserably. <laughs> but uh, for our worry. audience, the lifelong struggle. <laughs> our audience members who may have uh, missed the the show previously, Eric is a two-time Grammy-nominated songwriter, founder of Minoan Music. He is um, one of the most creative people I have come across in a very long time. I, I said on the show last time that that listening to your music and seeing what you create is like being in an amusement park. And I truly, truly uh, believe that. And I, you know, you just, there is, there is so much creativity and so much uniqueness that you put forth. And I just, um, so excited to welcome you back. Yeah. I just really am just, just blown away by, by everything that you do. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, for so many people in our audience that really being the best that you can be and what I applaud you for is that being the best you is something that you have embodied. And I think that at the core that what we do and what we learn and what we appreciate our, about ourselves is really um, about being the best of everything that we are and that we learn need to really learn to embrace that opportunity and understand the incredible power that we have and that we possessed and how we align ourselves with, with creativity and what we want to bring forth. So I would love to, you know, without further ado, welcome you and, and have you share a little bit about um, your journey into discovering how you can be the best Eric that you can be. You know, it's funny, after our first discussion, I discovered something about myself that I didn't really realize existed, and that is that, especially at this stage of my existence, I'm constantly looking for happiness, you know, so in like the, the smallest little nuances, so... You know, you see a bird. Oh, I wonder what bird that was. I'm going to look it up. And I Google. I'm like, that's interesting. What does it eat? And is it here? You know, or you see um, some article, you know, some sort of always looking for something positive, even in the bad things. And I think a lot of that has to be with, has to do with, I'm very curious about a lot of things and interested in pretty much everything and curious about everything but also being 
in the entertainment business, you are bombarded with all kinds of predator-based uh, uh, people, things, systems, blah, 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 blah. So in order to keep yourself balanced and sane, it's almost like a, a self-preservation, automatic self-preservation uh, thing to kind of try to find the positive and everything. Um, everything, even the nuance of just enjoying a flower, you know, and, um, and you had mentioned last time, like there's a lot of upbeat songs that I have and I love upbeat three chord happy tunes about summer cars, girls, you know, just those classic, kind of pop rock tunes, which uh, songwriters are kind of always trying to achieve in that simplistic way. Um, so that came about from our first discussion, which is, is strange because I never really, I never really thought about it. And then I just kind of realized it. So thank you. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you very much for sharing that. That's, it's just awesome. Yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's the cancer stuff that, and just um, experiences with death, tragedy, and stuff like that that have kind of pushed me to put that out of my mind with constantly trying to find the the positive side of things because, you know, after a certain number of experiences through your life. You, you can get a bit bogged down even though you don't realize it. And I've never mm-hmm. been, um, I've never been like a sad person. You know, I've always been a very positive person, always looking, trying to find the positive side. Oh, I ripped my pants. Well, I'll just get new pants. You know, I don't <laughs> sit there and, and cry about it. Right. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're saying, but maybe because I'm an artist. Well, I, it's all, I don't know. It's all relevant in my view because of the fact that um, we're all individuals and you focus a lot on your creative side. Yet what gets forgotten when it comes to um, musicians, uh, actors, you know, Broadway singers, uh, people who are in the, uh, in uh limelight type businesses, uh, I, w- I could say, um, is that you're human. And it means that even though you have a real heavy creative side uh, and are capable of doing some fabulous things, again, still, you still have a family, you've got a son, you've got life, you've got, uh, you got to deal with the same thing that everybody else deals with, you're just in a different line of work. As my brother always always say, yeah, it's great, but it's just a job, <laughs> you know. Right. It's great that you're in there, but technically, it's a gig. It's a gig. It's it's work. Right. And it's what you're there for is to get more work, you know. And hopefully, one begets something even better, and and then something better, right? and then more challenging. However, uh, the bottom line is, it's a gig, and when it's over, you're on to the next one. In between all right. that, you you have you still have to be happy. You still have to, because otherwise you get caught up in this thing that uh, um, my uh, some friends of my niece, who's 
doing a who's in, a stand-in on the Broadway show of traveling tour show of, of Hamilton right now. A lot of her, um, a lot of her friends who are also in the business, and this is something my sister told me the other day. I find completely fascinating. They spend a lot of time going to school and getting uh, their not only their education but their chops together for uh, singing on in, in Broadway plays or in being in the music business, whatever it is, acting. And one thing is plaguing them right now. It's doubt. What's plaguing them is that it's this blanket coating of doubt uh, in the, that they can succeed. And the question I ask is, where did this come from? You know, I, I'm, I'm perplexed by it. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, yeah, these kids... They don't, you, you, when they come over, when Giselle's in town, you don't want to mention, you don't want to ask them what they're doing. Don't ask them what they're doing. Don't ask them what they're doing now. Right. Because you know, they're home yeah. living with their parents because they didn't jump off the cliff and go follow their dream because they're afraid that they will not realize their dream. And it's a sad way to live. And I, all I can say is that as, and I know, you being a creative like yourself, you can kind of um, give us some insight as to how your creativity uh, and, you know, being, being human relates to how you might raise uh, another human being, you know, how you might instill in them the opportunity that the opportunities abound for them and that they can succeed in anything they put their mind to, you know, the positivity, the acknowledgement, the, the, uh, um, the, 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 the encouragement that, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's beyond telling them you love them. It's about, it's about preparing them, preparing them for life, which means that you're going to fail. Now, what do you do when you fall down? You know, you, you get back up and then allowing them being, being brave enough as a parent to allow them to fail, to put them, have them put themselves in a position where they where you, you know, your, your hands are off. And, and, and they fail and you're not trying to prevent them from failing. And this is what I've seen a lot of is a lot of parents who want to prevent their child from feeling any pain or failing. And then when yeah, they I'm get to so be an adult, what is it good to hear? Shed some light on, shed some light on your, on your, on your thoughts about, about that. Um, so I, you know, I, I never, yeah, I mean, I never had doubt. Um, in what I could do. I always, I always had confidence in my abilities. The thing I had, the thing that I needed encouragement in was uh, socially, in a way. Like, I had, I had low self-esteem in junior high. And, you know, like, so when I, when I entered, I went from a public school, sixth grade, which I really enjoyed, and a very, very diverse uh, group of people to going to a Christian school, uh, seventh grade, uh, thinking, wow, this is a Christian school, and, you know, people are going to be even better, you know, like understanding and, you know, this and that. So, so <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, you know, you laughed at exactly what I was you know, the point I was going to make. Where'd that go? So I, well, so I get in there and, you know, it's an expensive Christian school. I really don't know why my parents put me in there. 
Um, but I did make my, you know, a lot of lifelong friends. So, you know, when you get into a private school like that, there are a lot of kids who are there from well-off parents and they have the expensive clothes and the expensive headphones and this and that. And I'm wearing my brother's hand-me-downs. And when he went into seventh grade, it was the seventies. Mm-hmm. So this is 1984, and I'm wearing clothes from 1979 because they're hand-me-downs. So, pun intended, I got crucified by right. uh, the kids. And, and it kind of didn't help that the girls thought I was cute, and that created jealousies. And uh, so... And then, of course, the, the indoctrination of, you know, their specific points of view, which a lot of it was very contradictive to, contradicting to the, to the actual religion. I mean, I had, a, I had a professor in 12th grade. But anyway, um, he, the teacher said, um, he called Jews the children of the devil because a girl was dating a Jewish guy. And hmm. I'm like... I'm like, what? Like, you know, according to the religion, the Jews are the chosen people, you know, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So how can you sit mm-hmm. there and call the Jews the children of the devil because you have a problem with her dating a Jewish guy? You know, so like there were these contradictions over time in there. But anyway, I guess that's kind of getting off the thing. But like that, that created a strange environment. And then um, junior high, like this. Just like the prettiest girl in our class, like defended me from bullies, and that that gave me social confidence that wow. changed a lot of how I dealt with people. So, mm-hmm. um, so then that grew and grew and grew, and then you know you end up having you know these lifelong friends and the whole high school experience, and then that fueled my confidence and my creative abilities and, and is a big part of how I turned out. So with, with my, which is absolutely my, wonderful, by the way. <laughs> I love yeah. Way well, she, yeah. she ended up being Making a horrible sure person in the end, but, but you know, <laughs> in the <laughs> end, <laughs> yeah, the gesture, you know, the smallest little nuances can sometimes mm-hmm. affect people, you know, uh, for life. So, so with my absolutely. kiddo, I see some of the similar things he's going through and I tell him, uh, you know, I went through that as well. And he thinks I'm just trying to comfort him. I'm like, no, it was the same thing with me. I had, you know, hand-me-downs. Um, but you know, I kind of now my, my way of thinking is so much more mathematical than it was back then. Uh, whereas like now, like I said, you rip your pants, whatever, get new pants. You, you know, you lose the train, get the next one. You know, don't, mm-hmm. don't stand there and just be all, you know, emotionally broken about it. It's just a train ride. It's just a pair of pants. So I, 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 I tend to just kind of show him these issues as a mathematical equation. Mm-hmm. But, Interesting. but, but wow. like, because he wants to be in engineering and automotive design. And I'm like, listen, you're going to have to look at life as like, okay, this broke. You don't sit there and be like, oh, God, yeah, it broke. Ah. You know, figure out a way to fix it. Whereas 
I wasn't able to really approach things like that when I was his age. It was more of like, mm-hmm. what are they going to think of me? The teacher's going to be mad, you know. Whereas now it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you didn't do well on the test. You can take it again. Go get tutored. That's it. Right. You know, so, but I'm not People, sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure that's the best way. But really, it's kind of the only way because if he learns early to look at problems as what's the solution rather than this is going to ruin my life or someone's going to hate good point. Exactly. You know, it'll, it'll make things easier, especially if he wants to go into engineering, which is math and mechanics and, and, you know, okay, it's overheating. Well, let's figure out what the problem is. Don't sit there and whine about it. Just figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, everything Absolutely. has a solution yeah. until, until you're gone. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's what I'm You're trying to a solution. Yeah, yeah, everything, literally everything. I mean, I had a Zoom so, an hour ago on a project and with a, a base manufacturer, and we talk about this project, and the project might not be within their means, but the reality is, you know, find a sponsor or do it differently, cut costs, or, you know, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just you find another way to do it, you know. So, work around. Um, Let me ask you a question. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to say real quick, Michael, mm-hmm. that you know, Michael and I have talked a lot before about Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. And what, when mm-hmm. she would come home from school, her, her dad would be like, okay, so what did you fail at today? And, oh, and, and it, it was so awesome, I think, because, you know, okay, well, now you can do better, figure out a different way. And so when she mm-hmm. was developing her company, she basically didn't tell anybody what she was doing for a year because she didn't want anybody telling her that it was a stupid idea. And right. um, so the way that she was he wasn't yeah, putting no, it down. No, he not at all. Gone. No, okay. he was, he was, okay. he was actually wanting them to find a better way. Like, okay, that, you know, thank you. Like basically congratulating them for trying um, and trying something mm-hmm. new and, and recognizing the fact that you may not always succeed. And, you know, it really That's gave her a lot of gumption. She, she was a fax machine salesman and then she kind of had this need. She noticed that when she wore white pants, like they didn't look so great. She needed to come mm-hmm. up with a solution. And then the way that she basically sold her product, she, she went into a department store and said to the, the sales, the person that was the buyer, like, hey, guess what? Come, to the, come into the fitting room with me. I have something to show you. And so it really taught her sort of out-of-the-box thinking, which, again, is sort of, again, what I appreciate about you because you do approach things from a different standpoint. And, and in my opinion, you know, life is full of lots of different bridges into the unknown. And both Absolutely. Michael and I can relate to what you're saying because we both had our challenges in school where we had um, – kids not being so kind. I mean, I, I was always the new kid and, and <laughs> like you, you know, you have these jealousies and, and I'll tell you, I mm-hmm. talk about this very often, but it's actually a pretty hysterical story. I had these three boys. We had, a, I was a portable trailer and they broke in to uh, the, the classroom and, and decided to pick on three kids. And I was one of them and I opened up this is back when the top of the school desk picked, he lifted it up and I'm like, what is this in my desk with all my pencils? And here it was cat litter with cat poop in my, oh, in my God, desk. And, 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 you know, Wait. but it was like, <laughs> it, did it shape me? Did it make me feel bad? They got expelled. <laughs> and, you yeah, know, but it was just like, 
what yeah, a bizarre maybe. thing to do. And and, 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 and there's attention speakers. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just. But it yeah, was, that, But I, I, I do believe that you know we have these paths and it's sort of uncharted destinations that we we forge to. And and like you, I've always I've always been happy. Michael's similar to me, you know. So it's um, well, I, I really appreciate that. your shirt. But I, I've always kind of tried to find that. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know that you can ever, ever find it. I think it's something that, you know, you can <laughs> feel it. But, like, uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it depends on your definition. Some people might be like, well, owning a Ferrari will make me happy. All right, go get a Ferrari. Or having yeah. a hit song will make me happy or winning a Grammy will make me happy. Like none of those things really apply for me. For me, it's mm-hmm. just um, doing what I want and enjoying even the simple things. I mean, I, I like to mow the lawn. <laughs> nice. you know? yeah. Like I, you know, I can sit there and I think and, and, and it's normal. I mean, I don't, I find strange pleasure in doing dishes. Or most people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love doing dishes. Yeah, there's something about. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm a about dish. I'm a dish dude, man. I, I, I you know, it's. I, I, I have to agree with you. Although I, I must tell you, it, it, it's interesting as somebody who has been chasing, uh, you know, one goal after another for, for almost forty years, um, in 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 various areas, I've come to understand. Um, that this this idea that happiness is something outside of us that we have to seek um, sets us down a path that we can never achieve. We're never going to exactly. achieve happiness because it's, it's the carrot stick thing. It's always it's yeah, out in front totally. of you, but you can never really reach it. Right? You know it's there. You see it, except for the fact that it's not there. That's the illusion. Right. That's the illusion sold to us by the, yeah, it's within. the capitalistic society, right? It's mm-hmm. always inside of us. And really, it boils down to, yes, your definition of, of happiness. The, mm-hmm. the, goal, the goal that we, we set for ourselves, if we tell ourselves we're going to feel a certain way when we get to that particular point, which is unfortunately what society teaches you, to you know, revel in your victory and really what you're doing along the way doesn't really matter. How you get there doesn't matter as long as you revel and you get your victorious and then you revel in the victory. The problem is it's always a hollow victory because it always ends at some particular point. So you, you, it's, it's the journey. It's the little things that lead up to it. It's those little things you were just talking about, taking a walk, watching birds fly, um, you know, doing things mm-hmm. that, you know, that mowing the lawn, you know, doing dishes. I do all the dishes. I love them. I love doing dishes. I'm like a, I'm like a, I told uh, uh, Lisa last week, I, I, when I clean the house, I'm like a Tasmanian devil. Don't get, don't get in my way. You'll get run over because I like, I like to clean and I get, I get busy with it. It's, it's a single minded focus. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not even listening to music. I'm just, I'm getting busy. Got things to do, yeah. you know, and, and, and same thing with dishes. I, I have this, um, this uh, I apply the the service pro um, slogan to after we have company over. It's like it never happened. <laughs> it's like it never happened. That's my idea <laughs> yeah. of 
the kitchen. It's like it's it's like it never happened. I look at my a girlfriend and say it's like it never happened. You walk into the kitchen, it's like nothing happened that evening. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, it, my over... problem. I'm sorry. Good. Good. So I was going to say my pro- my problem is you know it's one thing to do clean, but if somebody's making a mess and doesn't respect that you have to pick it up, then that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Here's, I'm, I'm, I, I wa- if, if, if my girlfriend's cooking a big meal, I wash as she's cooking. I don't wait for the dishes to pile up in the sink. If she's done with right. something, I'm, I take it, I wash it right then and there. Uh, and, you know, we have two sinks. It's away from the uh, – it, it's not in the way of her cooking. She's got her own sink if she's cooking. And I stand at the other sink, and if she's – as she gets done with stuff, I clean it. I clean it. If she has to reuse it again, I clean it, set it aside. She can grab it and reuse it, whatever. You're, you're like a woman's I don't want dream. To be... <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been told that. I've been told that. However, here's the thing. All I'm doing, you know, you, you tell your son, figure out a way. Figure out a way, right? So I don't want to look at a big pile of dishes, of 50 dishes at the end of the night. I want to look at about three dishes three pots and pans because I know I got to clean it up and I don't want to, I don't want to look at that. So I innovated this little way of cleaning things that need to be cleaned. If there's a nice cutting knife, this board, the cutting board needs to be used several different times. I'll clean it and then give it, put it back. It gets used again, clean that pot. She's done with it. Okay. Right. She strained this out. Okay. Get that. That's done. That just boiled water. That just did this thing, whatever. You know, it's like, I like to innovate these little ways of being efficient that's, I've always been mm-hmm. that way, just ways of being efficient. And I clean the house mm-hmm. the same way. Um, and I, I, nobody knows this, but I got to tell you, I took home economics when I was 12. I took home economics when I was 12 at a high school in Turkey. And yeah. I learned I was the only guy in the class, and I was the only guy that ever was in the class. <laughs> and, and I just mm. I learned how to be self-reliant. I learned how to be self-reliant. And I, I, I could sew. I could use a sewing machine. I could cook. I can do, I cook breakfast every morning and I love it, you know, and yeah, because, because it's really interesting. So I guess where I'm going with all this is what you were talking about, those little things that you kind of, those little joys that you have, that is happiness. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. is, that's the definition of happiness. That feeling you get in your, Mm -hmm. in your solar plexus, that warmth that you feel throughout your body when you, when you finish mowing the lawn and you look at it or the happiness you have as you're mowing it the feelings you have. It's like what nobody ever teaches us is to, is to pay attention to how we feel when we're doing things and then do mm-hmm. more things that make you feel good instead of the things Absolutely. that don't, right? That's just, mm-hmm. it. Just, just, just focus more on that, okay? If, if, if you don't like mowing your lawn, uh, pay a lawn guy and right. then let them do it and then look at mm-hmm. it and revel in it and, and have fun. Pick up a few pine cones here. We've got pine cones everywhere. I could pick those up and put them out of the street. No big deal, okay, to keep it looking great. But somebody else comes over and, and does the, the half an hour, you know, zing, zang, done, finish. Um, so it's, there are projects that I will take on and uh, laying out bark and flower beds and doing things. My girlfriend has a barn. I'm always forever fixing something at the barn. Heck, the door just fell off of one of the stalls. I got to replace the uh, two hinges, right? Two hinges on a, on a hundred-pound door. And I know you're not going to jimmy jack it, right? You're going to do it the right way. <laughs> I can't jimmy jack it. I can't jimmy jack a door. I got to put a hinge on. I got to get it level. 
You know, so that, but, but to me, I look at that as a project, right? She says, okay, we got to mm-hmm. restain the barn. I'm going great. I'll, I got my palm sander. I'll, I'll, I'll turn the music on. I brought my own music because she, I, get, I bought her a system, uh, with a couple of, um, indoor outdoor Bose speakers. Uh, when she turned 50, that was her 50th birthday present. I was out there at 1 a.m. hooking this thing up. And then she came out the next morning to ride her horse, and there was this you know, music, <laughs> CD player, radio. There's, you should have pretended two, like you two. didn't hear it so, so that she thought it was in her head. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. But she, she walked in, and she said, what is this thing? I said, turn it on. Came with a little remote control, you know. And it, this, is, this is 15 years later. This thing is still perfect. Right. And so there's nothing, nothing like being able to play the music you want when you're grooming your horse or you're getting ready to ride your horse or you're cleaning stalls, whatever it is you're doing. And I, I, I just love it. So we, we are uh, sympathetical like that. Now I got to step back here, digress just a moment because I want to ask you this question. When you were in high school and you were being bullied or whatever was how much of your life, uh, what percentage was music involved in your life at that time? Did you have, did music ground you? Were you, were you really into it at that particular point in your life or was it a little later? No, I was always into it heavily. Like, I mean, okay. it really started, you know, they, they say your most important music starts when you're 10, 12 around there. So, okay. um, I mean, when MTV began, we didn't have cable, but we would go to people's houses and uh, family parties or whatever, and I would just be in front of MTV just the whole time. Oh, so yeah. it was <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, you know when I when yeah. I go to school, I'd be, I'd be like, "Have you seen this video? Have you seen that video?" And they're all like, "Wow, you spent a lot of time on MTV." I'm like, "We don't even have cable." So like, I knew all the videos, and there were video shows, but it was it was yeah. always it was like I just couldn't get enough of that era, you know. Um, well, the- yeah. The reason I ask, the reason I'm asking is because I was playing, I started playing drums when I was seven. Um, and I really got it in to start playing with bands when I was 12. And I had some, you know, I'm not going to call it bullying. It was more like people making fun of you because of your clothing, like kind of like you. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that happened. However, I always had music to fall back on. I knew I was good at what I was, what I was doing and I was getting better. And it always grounded me. It, it was my, my respite, my uh, sanctuary, yeah, my so too. to speak. I always knew that, I was, I, that nothing of what they said mattered because they really didn't know me or what I was involved in, and which is usually the case with bullies. They're, they don't know who you are. They don't know the essence of who you are. They just, they just look at something superficial and try to get a rise out of you. And if you let them, then they've won. And mm-hmm. however, what, what I always stress is to focus on what talents and gifts you actually have, which is why I, I asked that question for you because you were, you were uh, a talented musician. Even at, at, at that age, you kind of had an idea about where you were going. You were so into it and how much of that just kind of made everything else that you were dealing with in school just kind of like go right over your head or, you know, maybe it impact you a little bit for a little bit of period of time, but then it just, it was gone. It didn't, you didn't focus on it for a long period of time, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be Simon Le Bon, you know, so, mm-hmm. and then I'm, and I remember when I saw back to the future, it was, it was weird. When I saw back to the future, I was so inspired by that. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be Michael J. Fox. 
um, you know, that film. Had oh, yeah, that was cool. Sci-fi <laughs> and cars, and he was just a oh, yeah. dude, and I was like, that's where, so then I did a lot of, you know, uh, I mean, from even before that, I was doing plays and things, and I was getting cast in things, uh, school stuff, and but I, I never, I never, did, I didn't get into any school orchestras or anything like that, um, or the fine arts at the school. So nobody knew I was musically anything. I was in a band, but, um, but but then I was getting in plays. Uh, my final years in high school, I was getting cast constantly. But my problem was like I, I, I looked at roles as like Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. So you know, I was ca- I was cast. <laughs> well, well, I was given the lead in an Agatha Christie play. I remember, and I I arranged it so that we turned it into a slapstick without the teacher knowing. <laughs> That's funny. And, <laughs> I've never heard that and before. That's amazing. The, you know, the audience loved it, and the, the head of the fine arts department said we were an embarrassment. Um, oh. And the teacher pushed me down a staircase out of anger. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, but the audience loved it, and I didn't care what they thought. So, like, they went nuts. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, we had two nights, and then even even after that experience, the teacher who pushed me down the staircase kept casting me and more and more. Wow. So, you know, then I went to college and I wanted to study drama. But, sounds, like yeah, a, so, sounds like a, a conflict. Yeah, <laughs> a it, mental it was conflict. a conflict. I mean, I, I mean, if that happened today, I mean, that school would be out of business, <laughs> you know, and everybody sure. in jail. <laughs> of um, course, yes, yeah. That teacher would be gone in about 10 seconds. Yeah, so, so there was, oh, I don't know, it's just very natural for me to, mm-hmm. to get into those things, but I never, I mean, I, you know, I thought about wanting to do it professionally, but you don't know what professionally means as a kid, you know? So when I started yeah. school, college, I, I wanted to be a drama major and I took some classes, but then my parents quickly reminded me that, uh, I'd be disowned in a bit of a roundabout <laughs> way. So I, I, was, oh, yeah. I, I was interested in psychology and graphic design as well. I'm like, well, maybe these. And then I had a terrible teacher in psychology and a oh. terrible teacher in design, and that turned me off. So I picked the two most boring things you could pick, which is English literature and public relations, and oh, the, the, which, which have helped me. But, and then graduate yeah. school was music business and all that. And then all That's I had true. to do you know, was literally focus on what, like my strength is my creativity. I have to remind myself that mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Yeah. Cause sometimes, sometimes you, you, you spend too much time on administrative stuff, paperwork and all this crap. And it's like the thing that has gotten me to where I am is my creativity. It's not knowing, well, you know, um, the legal side, well, the legal side and all that has definitely helped and, and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. It's the creativity. So um, it took a while for me to realize that even though that has always been my strength and ideas and bringing creative elements together, that I, keep, I still keep having to remind myself that that's my biggest strength and that's what has gotten me to where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without, that is, without a doubt. I was going to say, yeah, that's there's... There was a, a quote, and I don't know who said it, but they said in you know, every aspect of your life, you automatically throw open the doors to opportunity. And I think about you being thrown down the stairs, and, and all, it almost, it's almost like a, a shocking thing, but 
you think about those, those actions towards you and all you're trying to do is bring joy. And it just, um, it maybe in some odd way it prepared you for the entertainment industry, Eric, because. Well, you know, well, it's funny because. Go ahead, please. Uh, what I was going to say is it's funny because she pushed me down the stairs and then the next night I did it again. <laughs> so, uh, getting pushed down the stairs didn't, didn't really keep me from doing the play correctly, which I guess mm-hmm. it should have. That's interesting. No, but it, um, yeah. I think but it, yeah. it did. It solidified your near knowingness, you, you, your intuitiveness in, in what uh, an audience needs or what people are looking for. I, I just, I find that so Very good point. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. 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 You yeah, got yeah. the reaction. You got the response you were looking for. Yeah, being on a stage, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it, it just, it creates this awareness of like, this space needs to be filled with this spontaneous thing here, even though it's not in the script, or this space needs to be filled. I mean, who wants to see a serious Agatha Christie play, really, by a bunch of high school kids who are amateurs? I mean, <laughs> so you have to spice it up and make it fun, and, you know, people still tell me about that today, <laughs> all those years later. That yeah. fantastic. We, we, we made an impression. That. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same thing with yeah. really kind of all creative uh, disciplines, for me anyway. Like, if I'm just doing what somebody else is doing, I mean, somebody else could do it. But if I do it my way, then it's more interesting mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I guess for consumers mm-hmm. as well. That's awesome. For sure. No, yeah. <laughs> definitely. It, it is the, the, the aspect of... Um, at that age, or understanding what uh, brought joy to people's faces, um, and evidently the teacher figured it out as well, and let you do it again because it was, you know, what you, you what you don't know is what people were saying to her. You know, that was really cool. We loved it. You know, that's not that she, sh- not something she would have told you, um, but maybe she was getting compliments for uh, being complimented on on uh, the creativity with it, with regard to it, which was, you know, all on you. Um, but in, some people don't like to actually give credit to people when they, uh, they, when it wasn't their idea, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the so end, you don't know what's nice going thing. on behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. In the end, she wrote a nice thing in my yearbook, encouraging me to, to go awesome. for that, for that. She said, you know, you actually took it seriously. <laughs> you could be really good. And, um, <laughs> But you are really uh, good. Wanna, and, yeah. Well, yeah. She meant like in the acting realm and, right. and stuff. So like, and, and it's you know, it, it shows in my other stuff too because there's there's a the theatrical element to the songs and the titles and the videos and the, the things. So you know, I I try to make it as art school as possible. So I guess that that added to the confidence mm-hmm. in a way. That's true with what you're doing. That's awesome. That is absolutely yeah. amazing. You know, I, I will tell you this was really, was really interesting is that I'm told, um, I think I said this on the show before, but quickly, but when, when I was, I didn't see um, the, I have a natural ability to, to be rhythmic and to play drums and intuitiveness when it comes to sitting down with a band, whether I know them or not, whether I know the song or not, I, I love, playing songs. I love being challenged to fit in with something with music that I, I had never heard before 
um, or I don't really don't know very, that very know very well. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about it is that um, for that's like for Steve Ferroni. You know Steve Ferroni. Yeah, mm-hmm. drummer Steve Ferroni. Yeah. I mean that's that's exactly yeah. how he is. I mean he'll he'll literally just hear something once, and mm-hmm. there it is. And then he'll always be like, after the take, he's like, well, I could do it better. I'm like, no, you can't. You can do it differently. Well, you can't, do, you're not going to do it the same way. You're not going to do it. I don't, I never exactly. was into the, the monotony of things. I like to figure out a different way to put something together. Uh, however, I never saw being a professional. I was offered the opportunity when I was 15 uh, by a group. We had a group, there was a group that came to town called the McCreary's. They were a uh, sort of a, Earth, Wind, and Fire, gospel version of Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's Sounds really like a Celtic were. band. Aye, the McCreary's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah except sure. they were a black group. <laughs> they were oh, black even cool. Believe it or not. <laughs> even even cool. more interesting. Yeah. They were out of L.A. Cool. They, were, uh, they had several albums out, and they were doing a tour, and they came to, uh, uh, they were working with the USO at the time. They came to the base, and they were looking to pick up a drummer uh, because, you know, they figured we'll, we'll pick one up there. And somebody told me, we had a band there, and they said, hey, um, you want to you wanna play a couple of gigs with this group? And I said, I don't even know who they are, man. I've never heard anything that they've ever done. And he said, well, they want to pick up, a, they need to pick up a drummer, and you're probably the most likely candidate, so just go over there and talk about it. I went over there uh, the afternoon they got there. Now, they're playing a show at 8 o'clock that night, Right. I got there at about, literally, I got there at about noon. They were having a couple hours of rehearsal and went through all the songs with them and played with them that night. I still, I couldn't today tell you the music. I I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what I played, but I played. And then I did another show the next (laughs) next night. And then the guy goes to me, he he goes, hey, he says, man, you know, I think you can be a really good studio musician. And mm-hmm. I said, really? I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, Billy Preston's drummer, uh, Emmanuel Kellogg, is, is a friend of ours. And I'm sure that if you came to L.A., you could work with him and be a really – no, I was 15, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me go to L.A. when I was 15. <laughs> and yeah. So that never – that didn't happen. But, the, but it was nice that they saw that. You know, it was nice that mm-hmm. they saw something that I, that I didn't. And, and I, I – I, do this before, and I don't know if you do this, but when I go places, I travel the world or whatever, and I find a band, I, I come across a band, I, I like to go up and ask them if I can sit in for a couple of tunes. Now, they don't know me, mm-hmm. I don't know them, they don't know how I do, and they let me play. And they go like, we do three or four songs together, five songs together, and they're like, because they have, and I, I always wonder, what are you doing? You're letting somebody play with you in a live gig that you don't know and you don't even know how they play. They might embarrass the heck out of you, but you say yes. And it's, it, yeah. it, it astounds me to this day that they do that. Right. That's cool. They don't ask yeah. any questions. They just say, yeah, well, yeah, come on, let's go ahead. I would say, Michael, you have faith in your ability. And I think that that radiates. And, and so you, when you approach them, they probably feel that and know that <laughs> you're, <has> <laughs> you know, it has to, it has to. Yeah. It yeah, has to. Yeah. I, I, I've but, been in a, yeah, I've been in auditions where like, uh, I remember I was producing this one band and we were auditioning drummers and some guys came in and they could not play for hell. Like, uh, you know, and then you're just like, but you still had to give them 
the do, time. The props for trying. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I like that they tried, but they couldn't keep time if time, you know, fell out of the sky and crushed them, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I I still admire them for their for taking the chance. You know, even mm-hmm. though exactly. they, there was there's absolutely no way. No they, chance. <laughs> no chance. Unless they practice. Well that's it. Yeah. I love. I, I guess where I was going with this is here's the, here's the thing. Sometimes the thing that we that we do not not with you particularly, but I, yes, yes, you in terms of acting, perhaps um, being on stage and acting prepared you for being on on stage with music later in life. Made you comfortable with being on stage. I always felt that being on stage when I was seven because I was I went down and played with the Officers Club band on Saturday evenings because the drummer was teaching me how to play. So mm. on a Saturday night, full house. We're talking the big band era here. We're talking 1965, 66. Mm-hmm. And at the Officers Club, they had a big band, you know. And um, I was learning Tijuana, uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, you know, typical 4-4, you know, That's uh, awesome. music, 4-4 beat. And, and I'd be asked up to play a couple of songs from dinner uh, on Saturday night. And I always felt that that was so that I could be comfortable being in front of people so that Mm-hmm. Later in life, when I had to speak with people, speak in front of people, I had uh, a high level of comfort. And so it's sometimes, you know, we look back at something, people say, oh, yeah, well, how come you didn't make a living being a professional drummer? I said, well, I wasn't meant to be a professional drummer. That, that wasn't a path that I was supposed to take. Kind of like for you, it wasn't, it wasn't acting. It was, it was music, you know. Yeah. And, but, but everything adds to the whole, you know. Everything, it's like this, uh, uh, like a pyramid of things. A bunch of, bunch of things happen. You get a foundation. You get these experiences. And it all takes you to the top of where you're supposed to be. And I think it's mm-hmm. awesome. My brother, my brother, yeah. believe it or not, did the absolute opposite. He learned how to play music uh, three years after I learned how to play drums. He learned how to play guitar. And went yeah. on, we went on to play in bands. Yeah, we went on to play bands together. And, um, and he still has a band today. Yeah, he's a guitarist. He's a very good guitarist, actually. Um, uh, he has a band, a blues band, that he uh, plays with. And on occasion, when I'm in LA, when they do something live, I'll go up and sing backup and stuff like that, uh, which is always a lot of fun. However, the interesting thing, and he'll he'll get, you know, he goes to do a lot of Trek conventions, sci-fi conventions. They bring the band over, and he plays on a Saturday night. Um, however, his he didn't get into acting until uh, he was. 16, 17, 17. He did his mm-hmm. first play at 17. So this was, this was uh, eight years, eight years after uh, he learned how to play the guitar, where he thought you know, music might have been the path for him. Uh, professionally, it wasn't music, it was acting. For you, it was completely the opposite. I find that fascinating, that you have mm-hmm. this, these, we all have multiple talents, and we, we tend to pick one based on certain triggers in our, and I guess pivots in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for, for, for Tim, it was, it was the play at 17. After he did this play, your good man, Charlie Brown, uh, in Turkey, we were living in Turkey, we were in high school over there. And after that play, he came, he came to my parents and said, I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. After that one play, he said, this is what I want to do with my life. And it wasn't music. And we were playing music. We had a band. We had a nice nine-piece band. It was awesome. And he said, no, I want to do this. And so they said, okay, great. So they sent him to a private university where he got a degree in acting, in theater, in 
all the stuff that surrounds all that, right? And he did plays. Um, interestingly enough, uh, what was it? He did a play with here, – here's the ironic thing about this. Uh, he did a play with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, wow. How's that for irony? Oh. What, what play? Did a play with Vince? I think it was Caligula. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was Caligula. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Waiting. <laughs> yeah, Leonard yeah. came in and played now Caligula. That could, that could yeah, some that's comedy right. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it could be. I mean, it's like, but, but the, wow. the, the interesting thing is, he did a play with Leonard Nimoy, and then decades later ended up reprising the role that Nimoy played later on. Yeah. That so is you never true. know yeah. what's going to happen. It's really tricky, mm-hmm. but, you know, we all have, have to pay attention to our own little pivots. You know, there's, I don't ever believe in coincidence or accidents, and I, I know that uh, at least it doesn't, because, right. you know, there are, there are reasons why things happen. And if we're too focused on the thing that didn't happen or we're upset about the thing that didn't go well or the mistake we made, we could be actually missing the avenue that we need to be taking, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. which is, which is my point. You know, we, we, right. you had the awareness, uh, you had the awareness, Lisa's had the awareness, I've had the awareness. Um, others we know have had the awareness to kind of be able to push our failures or things that we, that didn't work out right the way we wanted uh, off to the side, but they never let us took our, take our eyes off of um, the, the thing. We always retained an awareness of, of something just ahead of us, right? Instead of mm-hmm. looking behind us, we're looking ahead of us, and this is how things happen. And your creativity right. is looking ahead. It's always looking ahead, mm-hmm. not looking behind right. you. Yeah. That's where creativity yeah. happens. So it's really cool with, with regard to that with you. Yeah, and I, I just want to mention for our audience, because we, we've got uh, about nine minutes left, and I want to make sure I can, you know, let our audience know, um, Eric, your website, it's a beautiful day today.com, which links everything together is it, to me, it really sums it up because for, for me, I, when I, when I, even just when I read those words, it's a beautiful day today. I feel that contentment. I feel your smile. I feel like all of this <laughs> radiating warmth from you. And, and I think that, you know, it's sort of like a beacon, you know, people are drawn to it. And, and how wonderful for, for each one of us to have a beautiful day today. And I, I, so I want to ask you, you know, in all of the things that you create and sort of the things that you kind of bring together, um, you know, I, I think it's just naturally a part of you that there's a, you know, the positivity and there's uh, a belief in self and, and also that, that self-worth. Like, for our for our audience members that would like to have a beautiful day today, is there any uh, words of wisdom or something that you'd like to share that really, um, when you get up in the morning, that's your choice and how, how you make that choice and you grow that into your experience and share it with others? I think a lot of negative experiences probably fuel the positivity. Uh, because you, you know, sometimes you see people who have had it pretty easy and they're just pessimistic. And then they go through, you know, uh, some kind of crisis and then they're more positive, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but not everybody's like that, of course, but like I've seen that in a lot of people. So I think, I think that a lot of the bad things I've been through have pushed me to notice more nuances. I've always been very detail oriented and always noticed people's feelings and empathetic and, you know, colors and shapes and things like that. But, uh, you know, when you get older, you come to the realization that there's no other way to live, you know, to be That's negative beautiful. all the time and to be, to be bummed out and just be like, this mm-hmm. sucks, that mm-hmm. sucks, whatever, all the time. It's like, just go away. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm just not interested. Right. That's you know, true. No yeah. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. Gonna, uh, yeah. I'm not going to spend what little time I may have left on this planet, you know, uh, babysitting people's uh, lack of, their dissatisfaction with themselves, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 hard to focus on. For most people, many people, notice the little nuances around you. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, a nice tree or something, and you know, some people will be like, ah, that's just hippie nonsense. Well, it really isn't. You know, no, it's not. You're right. You know, yeah, we're surrounded no. by so much garbage <laughs> all the time, whether it's like mm-hmm. corporations trying to convince us that we're our lives are inadequate so that we spend money on their products or, you know, politics or news and, uh, you know, uh, garbage in the street, whatever, you know. So it, it takes it takes hard focus to really see that there's great there are great things all around and focus on the great people and your closest friends who you trust and they don't judge you if you tell them something uh that's bugging you or whatever and, mm-hmm. um it's just just you just have to focus on the positive it's easier said than done but it's the only way to function so that's yeah except for the really fact that if you don't actually give it a, a shot you're never going to get there so uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, agree with you. And I agree with absolutely every, everything you said there. Beautifully said. Well yeah. played. Yeah, I have a friend who his, uh, his family's gone. He was raised by his grandmother and his fiance died suddenly at a young age and he's all alone. And But he's actually pretty positive. But he's, um, I mean, it's hard to for him to kind of see a future when he, you know, he, he lost the love of his life and has no family whatsoever. Um, but the reality is it is a mathematical equation. If you mm-hmm. make the effort to move, keep moving forward and make the effort to meet new people, uh, you know, after, you know, a certain grieving period or when you start to feel comfortable and you make the effort to get another job and, you know, get a new place to live and et cetera, right. et cetera. You know, you're moving forward, you're creating new memories and you're making progress. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting around on a couch and complaining that this sucks, that sucks, and constantly living in the past, it just wither away. And not everybody right. has the, you know, not everybody has the uh, inner strength to do that. But if you don't, you got to find it because there's no other way to survive right. and and music changes that. I, I sent something to Michael earlier, and, and I'd love to do a show on this. You know, they said that if you listen to at least five songs, that it shifts your energetic um, 
being that you can take you from sad to happy. And and I really truly believe five that. songs I a day. Make you yeah, five songs a day. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there have been studies on that. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. And, uh, Aren't they? Aren't they certain types of songs though? I mean, we're not talking about probably you know, something that's. Been, yeah. Probably the tunes that, that you gravitate towards, the ones that have right. memories, good memories yeah. with your childhood, right. fun stuff, right. whatever. Right. Whereas, well, you know, right. If, if, if it's new, you might be like, God, this is crap. Like, what am I listening to this yeah. making me feel worse? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, That's I got to tell you, I, I love I, I, the one that song of yours that makes me smile and the video is so whimsical is Here Comes the Snow. I was singing that song, and I'm not a oh, snow yeah. girl anymore, <laughs> but I was singing that uh, and it's like it's just joyful and fun and whimsical and you know you just kids like that super, yeah thank you super fun yeah. yeah no I you know I mean I think it could take you know shift a, a move from and I don't know that that was intentional but it was it's just one of those those pieces of music that you know can take take you from X Y Z mood to to a place of happiness joy silliness and and maybe it it, it uh, goes back to your uh, Agatha Christie performance. Maybe that's that's where it where it stems from. I don't know. But yeah, it, it was. It, uh, it, 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 yeah, it was inspired by a dream I had where I was ice skating with Charlize Theron. Wow. Okay, that's <laughs> a pretty. That's a pretty nice nice time. Yeah. 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 So like that. Charlize Theron. Yeah. That's, We'd all like to if I could. <laughs> exactly. That's my most valuable yeah. tune, actually. That that brings in the most every year than anything else. Oh, does it? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Great. Yeah. So we have a, a couple of minutes left, and I'd love for either one of you to, to close out the show with just whatever you, you'd like to share with our audience. And, uh, again, I just want to mention, you know, you can find Eric's uh, music, you uh on uh, it's a beautiful day today is probably the best link because it'll take you to the music and the Instagram and the Facebook and to all of the wonderful world that is Eric Alexandrisis. And uh, yeah, so I'd love for, for either one of you to, to share whatever you'd like to leave the audience with. Yeah, I, I actually deleted my Twitter yesterday, but then I was like, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody could, and make make one with my name and somebody else will own it and it'll have my name so I'm like ah so I canceled it I just I can't stand that so like I have a love yeah. <laughs> don't spend a lot of time on that but I'm going to echo something that you just said there don't invest in negative people don't invest in negativity it doesn't it doesn't pay dividends no. um, it, it doesn't just pay anything it keeps you admiring it sucks exactly. the life and also, and also because, you know when you're in an entertainment business I mean yeah. you're surrounded by it so yeah, um, yeah. they're enacting and everywhere it, else. Yeah, it's di- it's difficult, you know. But uh, yeah, Just we'll enjoy life. Yeah. Take a walk. Well, thank you for being with us, though, man. Yeah, thank oh, my you pleasure. so much, Eric, for being with us. I mean, you really do. You you really show how to you know rise above adversity and realize your dreams, and you bring oh, so try. much light and and so much beauty to the world. And I just want to thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. And uh, Michael, the same to you. I'm just grateful. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. Always love it yeah. for having me. Yeah, and look forward thank to you. our next exploration uh, here on Connect to Love on PR. And sounds like fun. Enjoy an awesome week. And, uh, be groovy. <laughs> Yeah, you too. (laughs) Take care. We'll chat soon. Cheers. All right.